Internets, I already told you, but if you didn't know, the Premium Pete Show 5 City Live Tour presented by WeWork is going down. Next week in Atlanta, our first stop, October 5th, 7 to 11 p.m., okay? If you live in Atlanta, be there. RSVP link in my bio. If you don't live in Atlanta, tell someone that lives in Atlanta the Premium Pete Show Live is going down. I'm telling you right now, sounds by DJ Wally Sparks. We're going to have free food, giveaways, man, drinks, man, great conversation, special guest sponsored by Grillo's Pickles, Jason Martin, College of Hip Hop. You ain't know, who the fuck knows who's going to show up, but it's going to be a special one. And I already told you, we're going to hit cities like Philadelphia, L.A., Toronto, and Houston. I can't wait. Check the fuck in. Let me know where you want to see us at. If you're from a city, if you're from fucking cities, I know Seattle was telling me, yo, why why didn't you come? Seattle, maybe 2018. Don't worry about it. Okay? But next week, October 5th, Atlanta, it's on you. Come and hang out with the kid. Now, let me tell you something. This episode that we have today, I wanted to do something for people who want to start a podcast, who are podcasting, who want to understand how to make money off their podcast, who want to understand where the future of podcasting is. So that's what this episode is called, The Future of Podcasting with Chris Morrow, a guy who risks his job to start a network that is now respected and has become a machine that produces some of the best podcasts in the world. Internet, I present to you The Future of Podcasting episode with my friend, Mr. Chris Morrow. Burr. Come on, everybody, get set, let's go. It's the next episode. It's the Premium Pete Show. News, interviews, all of the info. Listen up, it's the Premium Pete Show. If you want the scoop in the low, down low. Listen to the show, cause milk said so. Fuck what you heard, better act like you know. It's the Premium Pete Show. Internet, welcome back to another episode of the Premium Pete Show. Sitting here with a return guest, okay? It's a, it's a little more calmer this time, but... Not only do you call yourself the Podfather anymore or no? Well, not you, but people. Are they still calling? Yeah, you people still call me that. I don't. Do I don't use name? it myself. Do you have a new name? If you give me one. Okay. Well, we'll, we'll you give can't, you. One. You can't pick your own nickname. Eh, that's true. Actually, no. You know what? Sometimes you can because if you pick it at a young age and you run with it, it just it just trickles over and people remember who the fuck you are. Yeah, mid forties is. Yeah, that's yeah, a little hard. Yeah, a little hard. But listen, um, I was thinking to myself. I said, I want to have Chris back. But I wanted to go over, like, I wanted to make it, like, you know, the not only the business, but the, the future of podcasting. Right. And I was like, who better to talk to than someone who, you know, risked a lot to get where he is today. But unfortunately, what people don't understand, it's still a lot more work. Yeah. So we'll get to it. But anyway, listen, ladies and gentlemen, Chris Morrow's in the building. What's up? Um, shit, right off the bat, podcasting. Is all around now. Yep. Okay. It's literally saturated. Could you say that with podcasting? Uh, I'd say a certain type of podcast is saturated, yeah. But it, it's to a point where everyone's doing one. Isn't that like the new trend that happens? Like, meaning, like, you know, maybe certain people are doing th- this, like a tiny room chat, or they're doing a YouTube, uh, you know, or Google Play video. Now it's like podcasting. You don't think that it's gotten to be a trendy thing? Oh, it's definitely trendy, and it definitely feels like everyone's doing one. And, um, like I have trouble keeping up with it. Sure. You know, like it's, it feels like a lot, but I think there's still room out there for people to, 
I I just think it's it's harder now. Yeah. You know, um when I you th- say it's harder, what do you mean by that? Well, I mean, I think it's harder if you are on the outside looking in and you're saying, I want to start a podcast. There seems to be a lot of action in this space. There seems to be a lot going on. Maybe I can make money. Maybe I can rate whatever your reason is. Sure. Um, we were lucky when we first started. There just weren't as many people in the space. Uh, and there were even less people doing the type of shows we did, creating the type of content that we did. So, and the bar, you know, the thing with podcasting, why, why I think it was sort of inevitable that it was going to get to this point is the bar for entry is very low. And by that, I mean, it doesn't physically take much to create a podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Me and you could say, hey, let's, let's make this movie. We got an idea. Okay, we could write the script. We still got to sell the script. Sure. Uh, it's changed a lot. It's a lot easier to physically make a movie than it was 20 years ago with digital and the cameras. But, you know, you still got to get a little bit of a crew together. You still got to get, like... For us to start a podcast, what did it take? Nothing. True. You know, now we were with loudspeakers when it started. We were fortunate in that we also had access to some good studios, but we could have done it. Some of the most amazing studios. For people who um, didn't hear Chris Morrow um, before, we did an episode a long time ago um, in the early um, days of the Premium P show, which is probably six months ago. I know exactly when it was because it's uh, when I first started getting sick, November. Really? Yeah. So did we put the Maloiki on you? Nah, nah. I was already into it. I just, I remember the night specifically. When you say sick, what do you mean? I have Lyme's disease. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. Is, it, is everything okay? Uh, Yeah, I mean, it's a battle. I'm not going to lie. Um, I don't know how many people out there know about Lyme's, but um, you get it generally from being bit by a tick, which is probably what happened to me. Uh, I probably got bit like six years ago, and at first um started um kind of getting symptoms in august of last year and then the the reason i specifically remember that episode other than that it was a great episode obviously was i was like at an event remember i had a little suit on sure sure that's right i was at an event and i wasn't drinking because i was trying to watch myself and i was talking to people it was like a gala and all of a sudden like i started kind of like swaying a little bit and i was like man i had too much to drink and then i was like fuck i didn't drink Mm. anything and that's that's the night where it sort of started kicking in i was like oh damn i'm having like a neurological shit from it so uh are you on medicine or treatment yeah or? i mean you know the thing with limes is you know i won't make this all about Lyme disease but uh it's like a gray area like i'm at the point now where like the doctors don't really know what's going on and they're telling me they don't know what's going on um and that's kind of like a scary place to be because you kind of i think most of us grow up thinking like all right you get sick you go to the doctor, the doctor figures out what it is, he gives you the medicine, you take it, maybe it takes a week, maybe it takes a month, but you know, eventually, I mean, obviously mm. things like cancer, that's not the case, but like for most sicknesses and like, they just can't quite uh, wrap their heads around it. Mm. So, but you know, I'm here, I'm I'm working, I'm living my life, I'm just tired a lot, which is why, you know, it's 7.30 and I'm drinking a coffee right now. Hey, listen, um, I didn't, I'm going to keep you in my prayers, for sure. I appreciate it. Keep you in my prayers. Um, for those that don't know Chris Morrow, Chris Morrow is a co-founder of Loudspeakers Network. Um, also has been in radio, uh, broadcasting, writing books, yep. uh, a bunch of shit, okay? Yep. Um, and a long-lost friend, you know? And sometimes, you know, maybe a long-lost uh, argue, argue enemy. But, um, you know, it's funny how when we did the episode before, yeah. you know, it's like um, it turned out to be better than we thought. Like, it's funny. People who listen were like, that was a lot of tension, 
Um, I was, yeah, I mean, in retrospect, I was also out of my mind. I'm realizing now with the limes, it was like really starting to kick in. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, to the, the listeners, there's no doubt I left the studio pissed off. And yeah. I was like, but I did, I, you know, I think I told you this. I remember saying, you know what, before I fucking go crazy, let me go back and listen to it the next day. And if I'm overreacting, yeah, sure. I'll tell you. Yeah. And I was like, you know what? I was overreacting. Was yeah. No, no it was crazy. good. You know, it was good and it, it, it was pure and it was organic. Yeah. And, you know, one thing I liked about it that people got out of it that you really risked your live your your livelihood right. to help create, you know, uh what we were doing. Yeah. And and then formally, you know, make the loudspeakers network. And I think that some people may have not known that. And on that episode, that's why one thing I really like is people were showing how much love um and what it really took. You know, I remember somebody hitting me. I don't know if it was through email or tweet or text. I'm not sure. And somebody was saying like, damn, man. Chris, like, like, I know what it takes now, but it's a lot. You know? Yeah. I mean, and, you know, I'm not trying to say I did anything extraordinary. I mean, we're all risking something. Sure. Right? At the end of the day. Like, any time um, you take your time and keep applying it week after week to something, that is is a risk unto itself because that's something else that you could be doing. You know, you're, you're, you're betting on yourself. Um, the situation with the studios, it was just like that kind of heightened because there was always this, uh, kind of thing over my head where like, we're going to get caught. We're going to get found out, you know, like I'm going to get fired, you know, all that sort of stuff. So it was like a little bit more intense for me, but I'm not going to lie. I had a great time. You know, like those days were like a lot of fun, and and you were trying to make sure that there wasn't a thousand people up there when yeah. you were letting us tape the Combat Jack show yeah. when we had no studio back in what 2013 or 2012 or something yeah, like that. Yeah, and I remember Nori came up there with like Nori 30 was people, the worst. You know, like, yeah. like like you know people were loud and and literally we were in an office building where uh, some very important people. Who can we mention anybody's name? I prefer or no? not to. Okay, no problem. Yeah. And uh, that was <laughs> that studio that we were taping at. And, and and you know it's funny. I said this before, but I'll say it again. When we went, so for those that don't know, the Combat Jack show started at PNC Radio. When we left PNC Radio because they were doing some renovation, I give credit to Combat a lot. And and I give credit to Chris too, but I give because he could have said, "All right, we'll wait till you guys renovate." He, you know, Chris hit him up. You know, that's how amazing the internet is. Hit him up, told me he was a fan, and had a studio for us. We directly went over to that studio, and I'll tell you, that was the crispiest I ever heard my voice sound. Right, I was like, "Wow, this is some this is some serious shit now." And we did some amazing work over there, man. You know, amazing episodes. You know what? What you know what I want to tell you for people who may not hear this. What are some of the podcasts that you listen to? Me personally? Um, I'm in a weird thing now that, like, I've been kind of sick. I've been, like, just focusing on stuff that, like, is light. So I listen to a lot of basketball podcasts right now. Really? Yeah, I'm into, like, Zach Lowe has a basketball podcast on ESPN. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I, l- I listen to a lot of scripted stuff. I listen to uh, Crime Town, which is one of Gimlet's I love stuff. Crime Town. Crime Town's dope, right? Yo, I, I, I love it. Yo, you ever heard of Ear Hustle? You know, I've been meaning... You know, there are also like a bunch of podcasts that kind of fall into the category where there's stuff I feel like I should have done them myself. Yeah. And I feel like Ear Hustle, I'm like... Bro, I love... Air, air, I should have uh, done so this air hu- yeah, Radiotopia, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah but Ear Hustle is taped out of uh, San Quentin Prison. Right. It's co-hosted by by an inmate. 
And I'm telling you, I'm not just saying this because I've been away and because I know what it is, but man, they have like an episode about the shoe, like just explaining different people who've been in the box and what it was like. You know, I really think it's amazing. And the dopest thing about it is at the end, because I still think this podcast shit is still untapped. Yeah. Even though I just said it was saturated a couple of minutes ago, it's still untapped because at the end you hear, this is Warden Johnson and I approve this message. And I was like... How the fuck did they get a warden to say you could do a podcast in a prison? Think about it. You just said we could do a podcast at home. Yeah, but I think that's the thing, right? Is it saturated? When when we first started doing our shit, it was just turn on the mic, start talking your shit, mm-hmm. and that's the podcast. And a lot of people have rushed in that space. Some people have done you know an incredible job making podcasts like that. But moving forward... I think they're really kind of, I won't say revolutionary, but the stuff that really is going to move the needle is the higher concepts, the more scripted shows, mm. um, something like Ear Hustle, something like, you know, Crime Town, Mogul, which we did with Gimlet. Um, and, you know, having just come out of the first season of Mogul, the thing that, I won't say troubles me, but it takes a lot of work to do a show like that. Mm-hmm. It takes a lot of money to do a show like that. It takes a lot of really smart people. And what allowed us, when we started with Combat Jack Show, let's say, to just turn on the mics and go, you got to have an operation behind you. You yeah. got to have it's, resources. You're saying it becomes a business. Well, it's always a business, right? People want to get paid. But sure. It's, it's, can a Loudspeakers was a mom and pop. St- sure, sure. Right? Okay. We just like, hey, let's let's start so, this yeah. shit. And you know, you know, I go to these conferences and meetings, and I look around the table, and I'm sitting next to the guy from ESPN, and I'm sitting next to the guy from iHeart, and this, you know, the big boys are in the space now, and they're not going anywhere. So I think the challenge is, how do you keep making these authentic grassroots shows in your mom and pop store when Amazon's down the street now and Target's down the street because those. Those are the brands that are in the space now. But even though you considered mom and pop. Yeah. And I totally understand when you say that. But you're also someone who has made some waves. Do big companies look at like, hey, this guy knows what he's doing. We should work with him. Yeah. I mean, I think Gimlet was an example of mm-hmm. that. But. Um, did you come to them? Like, how did that even? No, they reached out to Reggie. Okay. They were fans of the Combat Jack show. And they reached out to Reggie. And, uh, you know, that was a great look. And it was a great learning experience to kind of get in there. And see how you put together a show like that, or a show like Crime Town. You know, we work with a lot of same people who worked on the Crime sure. Town show. But you gotta, you know, I'm talking years. You know, like, and I mean, it was like making a movie. I mean, we would have meetings where we do ten versions of one script. You know, twelve minutes of, of dialogue. Now, now that you're creating something like that new, like Mogul, yeah, yeah. do you focus on money? Or do you focus on trying to get something done that you never did before? Because you guys do podcasts. You know, we do podcasts. You know, we, we we could explain to them. But the way you're telling me is like, there's so much more than that involved. Like, these guys helped out You mean also. when I'm looking at a potential podcast to get involved with, am I looking at something that would make money or am I looking at something no, that I just no, want I'm to do? I'm talking about the mogul, like in the sense of like meaning like th- you you basically and Reggie went into un- uncharted territories. Yeah. Something that you'd never really done before, but you know podcasting. Right. Creative mogul, it's awesome. Yeah, thank you. I, I love, no, I loved it, and I yeah. felt that it, I, I feel like it's going to open up doors for so many people. Yeah, 
Um, but right off the bat, you uh, people want to get paid. I'm not asking how much you got paid. I'm saying, but without even knowing what that could be, how do you grab grab a certain dollar for that? Like say, hey, we need to get paid this because you don't know. Like if you negotiated the before it and then afterwards, you probably say, you know what I mean? Well, you know, I think they're expensive enough that the goal with something like that is to break even, basically, mm-hmm. and make a little bit of money. I think, and this isn't just mogul, I think this is across the board and you're starting to see it, where the real money is going to be in podcasting is in IP, intellectual property, mm. which is these shows getting spun off into TV, movies, thing of that nature. Mm. And the podcast is going to be what what's the appetite sure. for the movie studio, for the TV network, whatever the case may be. And then that's when you'll start to see, like, quote-unquote, the real money coming yeah. in. So, so maybe the podcast is like the door of the house, and then you go inside... And there's all other rooms. Yeah, I mean, look, a podcast is content, right? Sure. And at the end of the day, whether it's Hollywood, whether it's TV, even the publishing industry, like they're looking for content that has a proven track record. They're looking for content that people have shown there's interest in and people respond to. So if you can um, create something like that, yeah, you got a pretty good chance to get in front of the right people and maybe build that way. I think it's tougher when you're talking about, you know, an interview-based show, right? How do you flip that to that next level? Or a pop culture show where you're just kind of like, you know, like, I think the big shows in that space, um, they're going to still be able to to get those looks. But for everybody else, I think it's going to be tougher. Yeah. But if you can figure out how to make one of these series, you're setting yourself up pretty nicely. In terms of like return, is it based off streams or what do you mean? Like you know, like how how you prove to them that like you know you, you make your money back? Is that you know through streams or through ads? Or? Oh, I mean it's like ad, ad dollars. Yeah, there was ads on Mogul. Sure. I well, know. I mean, I think one thing that Gimlet does. It's funny. I was just talking to Raz about this before I came in here. Shout out to Matt Raz. Shout out to Matt Raz, um, who was listening to Crime Town, ironically, and Gimlet does a really great job of integrate doing custom ads that are really well integrated into the show where to the point is you might you know you listen to crime town there are definitely ads in crime town you don't mm-hmm. remember them mm-hmm. some people might be like no you want to remember the ads but they didn't feel like obtrusive to you sure, right sure. you're like i was so caught up in the story they just kind of like flowed and maybe you remember whether it was i think i remember listening to when i heard blue apron on those but they do a a really smart job of kind of integrating into the show but yeah, I mean, it's like anything else. Uh, how much money this show makes is definitely like a big thing. I mean, I think with Mogul, it got like reviews that blew my mind. Yeah. Like the New Yorker said it was one of the best podcasts ever. You know, Vulture, New York Magazine said it was one of the best podcasts. I mean, sure. like it got put up there with really like the biggest shows of the year. So that was kind of, that was amazing to me. And uh, that's the thing you can't really put a number on, but it just has a lot of impact down the road. What makes Mogul so expensive? The time, the amount of research, uh, the meticulous kind of approach to it. Who came up with the name Mogul? I forget. You know what I like? That it's it's basically endless. And what I mean by that is the the first Mogul ever done, the inaugural Mogul, was on Chris Lighty. But there's so many people you could do. Yeah, I mean, I do remember arguing at one point. I was like, "Is was Chris Lighty a mogul?" Mm. 
And some people were like, yes. Yeah. You know, some people were like, he was like at that almost mogul level. Yeah. So, you know, it's an interesting question. Like, what makes somebody a mogul? You know, yeah. it's, it's impossible to say. I mean, obviously his cultural influence, if you look at the breadth of everything he contributed sure. to, that was like a mogul, sure. you know? And he was ahead of his time. He's ahead you know? of his time, you know. But then other people were like, "No, the hip hop moguls are Russell, Russell, Diddy, Diddy, Lior, Master P, Dre, yeah, Suge Knight." Who would be um, some future mogul? The excellent question. We are literally hard at work trying to figure that out. Right Who now. would you like to see? Um, I don't want to tip my hand, but um, you better not say Bob Ross. Who? <laughs> the painter? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's not even alive anymore. I'm playing around. Actually, there is a painter I want to do that. I've been pitching and no one else is into it. But I won't say who it is. Um, who, That'd be funny. Who would you, you want? Nah. Um, I, won't, I don't want to get into it because it's like we're very close, I think, to deciding. So I don't want to. Okay. And, okay. and whoever we don't decide, I still want to do that person in some respect anyway. So I'm going to play that close to the vest too too saturated out here for me to be giving away ideas i don't i don't blame it now yeah. listen here goes a big question that listeners yeah. would definitely want to know because remember this episode i want to give people a chance to understand the future of podcast yeah. but also understand the business of podcast yeah how do you make money off a of podcast you make money by look there's a there is an established marketplace for podcasts if you have a show a program that hits certain numbers or reaches a very specific demographic there's a marketplace out there and you should be able to you know sell ads and at least make some money off of it i mean it's like anything else the 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 larger the audience you have the more money you're going to make what do you think about like direct connect uh when, or versus brand exposure you know what i mean by direct well well connect. how people do like you know uh, direct response dire- i mean direct response yeah. you know and, and actually let me explain direct response for people who may not know like when you when you get an ad and you may put like you know um, at at the end like you know bevel uh, you, you in the, slash the read slash the read yeah. or, or slash brilliant idiots yeah. um, versus some 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 ads just like you know the, you give them the website and the exposure yeah what do you think between I think it's shifting I think that's the big shift in podcasting right now I kind of I was a Stern fan for a lot of years so people who you know remember Stern from New York or Philly sure. which is where I listened to him. When he started, um, people weren't really sure what to make of that show, right? Like, it felt kind of a little bit on, like, an outsider show. So, if you remember, like, all the ads were, like, uh, Car Cash? What was that thing? Car Cash. Car Cash, dial a mattress, direct response. You know, like, go to, you know, carcash.com, Howard Stern, get whatever it is, go dial a mattress. Get you 10% off. Blah, blah, blah. Whatever, yeah. And those are, like the little scrappier advertisers who are willing to take a chance on a show like Stern. Because sure. the shit he was doing then was controversial and people weren't sure if it was going to hit. Once people realized that Stern wasn't going anywhere, I can remember, like as a fan, I can remember it was Snapple mm. came on. And it wasn't go to Snapple.com to get you know 10% off your next iced tea. They just wanted the association. Sure, right? sure. The, the exposure. The brand exposure. So that's what you're starting to see in podcasting. Do you feel, I always feel, and you know, obviously I... I've done ads, meaning going to get ads and and, yeah. and and understand, you know, I have a lot of different relationships and I understand yeah. that people are scared, meaning some companies are still scared to get into podcasting. It's like they understand radio and they're willing to spend their ad, do- I mean, uh, you know, budget dollars on radio, but not 
sometimes not podcasting. So do you feel that direct response sometimes is like, I put a little money here, but I want to see if it works? Yeah, I think so. And, you know, the other thing that's shifting is Apple is supposedly going to start giving more specific metrics. Mm, That's right. Sometime soon. And the kind of smart thinking is that once Apple starts giving more specific metrics, that's going to, the term they use is unlock, unlock the big brand dollars, right? Because right now those guys... You know, it's never as simple as uh, Jaguars, like someone at Jaguar says, oh, I want, I like premium peach show. I'm going to advertise on premium peach show. Jaguar probably spends 20, you know, tens of millions of dollars, if not more, and they run that all through an advertising agency, and there's all sorts of language and terms and things that they're looking for. And podcasting hasn't always provided that sort of like very specific metrics the way that, let's say, video might, right? Sure. So the idea is now that, Apple might, and I, I don't know what those metrics are going to look like, but let's say they can say, okay, uh, this listener is this age, this sex, started listening at the two-minute mark and, you know, faded out after the 15-minute mark consistently across the board. Like, that's the type of very detailed stuff that those advertisers with the big, big budgets, with the big, big marketing agencies apparently are looking for. So once that starts, now that money's going to come in. The flip side is if I say a show, let's say, does 100,000 an episode right now, that 100,000 after Apple's new metrics come out, could who knows what the numbers are going to look like. You know, you saw the same thing in terrestrial radio. I, I forget the name of the program. I think it was called like BBM or something mm-hmm, like that. Mm-hmm. When they shifted how they gathered ratings, where one day like this station was the number one station in New York for 10 years, and the next day it was number 15 and, you know, like... It all depends on how you're counting. So you could see a radical shift. I happen to like direct response, even if the budgets aren't as big, because I think it's kind of the fairest way. Mm-hmm. You know, as the little guy, I still feel like a little guy in the space. Yeah. Hey, I say this is what my audience is. Bevel's going to know if they're selling enough razors to fit that audience. Sure. You know, uh, uh, Casper's going to know if they're selling enough mattresses. Mattress, yeah. Um, you know, I think once the Jaguars come in, it gets kind of harder to say, hey, is someone really bang a Jaguar because, you know, sure. uh, they were on the Brilliant Idiots. The flip side of that is I think you're also going to see, and this is a, something else that makes me a little uncomfortable, is that's going to put even more emphasis on celebrity. Because if I'm a big brand like Jaguar, whose podcast am I going to bet on? The celebs, because that's at least I know I'm getting that celeb cosign. So how does that affect the shows that aren't celebrity driven? There might be less money for them. So that's something you got to kind of reach out for. But, you know, like with with a direct response, uh, I'll use an example. Uh, if people are familiar with Loot Crate, right, mm-hmm. uh, which is a, a box filled with, I guess, how would you describe it? Geek stuff. Yep. Geek stuff, movie, comic books, kind of paraphernalia. Um, a show like Fan Bros doesn't have, you know, the same audience that a lot of shows on loudspeakers have, but because Loot Crate was like speaking literally directly to their audience, you know, like the Fan Bros audience is exactly who. Sure. Very niche. Perfect. Perfect storm. Geek show, geek brand, bang. They sold really well. They, you know, they did very well with Loot Crate. 
Um, even though there's not a celebrity host, no disrespect to DJ Ben Hameen and Tatiana. But shouts you know, to Ben Hameen. Shouts to Ben Hameen. But so I think that'll be interesting to see too. Like once these Coca Colas, whoever you want to call a Jaguar, come into the space, are they going to gravitate towards the celebrity shows? I always feel I always feel like that in advertising, some of my failures and successes is you know dealing with these brands and and having to convince them what is going on in this space and i feel some of these brands are going to make and are making the same mistakes in social i'll explain to you with with my with my brand and, and company you got to eat this i've dealt with man i don't even let me not even mention who i was about throw to say them under the bus no no i was about to throw them under the bus but but i'm I've dealt with big brands, yeah, and done you know content creation and consulting for them, yeah. Where you would think that they should have a million plus followers, they were so late to the social game, right? That they had about two thousand, three thousand followers, and they needed people like me to help them so much more than they ever, ever would have thought. I feel like brands still to this day don't take social media serious, and the point I'm trying to make is I feel like. That's why sometimes, like, what's this podcast thing? Because keep in mind, even think about it. When, I don't remember when, but wasn't it like Meek Mill or or, or, or Nicki Minaj? Weren't they going against, like, Joe Budden or, or, or somebody where they're like, oh, you got a podcast? Yeah, well, those, those days are over. No, no, I know, but there, some people don't still understand it. They take too I think long I'd to get say there. in the last year and a half, all that's fizzled, and now podcasts are, like, 100% legit. Sure. I think what you're going to see is... Maybe not a brand advertising on, let's say, the Premium Pete show, but a brand just having their own podcast. Mm. I think that's that's where the the movement's going to be. Mm. Like, just why not tell your own story? But they're going to have to be done authentically because you know, I, I, you know, I think a lot of brands rushed into it early. I know, like uh, Adidas in the sneaker world had a podcast going on for a while, mm. but it felt too packaged. True. So, like, I think the challenge for the brands are they're going to have to let go a little bit. And they're just going to have to let some of these people kind of cook the way they cook and live with the results instead of trying to micromanage. Because I think if you micromanage, people just know it's a branded content and they're just going to kind of not even bother to tune in. Yeah. For the people listening that may not have heard of Chris Morrow before, um, list some of the shows that are on the Loudspeakers Network. Uh, the Loudspeakers Network, The Read, The Brilliant Idiots, The Combat Jack Show, Friend Zone, On One with Angela Rye, uh, No Jumper we just added, mm-hmm. um, 85 South we just added, mm-hmm. uh, Fan Bros, Getting Grown, um, damn, you're really about to make me uh, miss somebody here. Who did I miss? Uh, Vlad, The Vlad Couch. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, lip service. Lip service. Um, Casey, Casey Crew. Crew. Um, the Corner, a boxing show out of Vegas. TK Kirkland. TK Kirkland, yeah. Uh, who? Ed Lover. Ed Lover. Ed Lover. So Fuck. Hey, we, listen. We've never really like figured out exactly what's going on there, but yeah. Who? Um, so who's the most recent? Uh, you know what I love about it? You um, have become as like, you know, heading loudspeakers. Like you become like a fucking... Like a college coach, you know, trying to uh, you know recruit people and sign them. Like I know, I it's like, you know, 
Yeah, I mean, it's 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 all kind of bizarre to me because, I mean, people probably don't know my backstory that much, but I've been a writer, mm-hmm. you know, and a writer is like a very solitary With, thing. Yeah, right, right. Wrote for uh, Russell Simmons. Yeah, I was a ghostwriter. Wrote for um, um, Rev Run, right? Rev Run, uh, Tyrese, Tyrese, Ivanka Trump, Ivanka Trump. Yeah, a lot of people. So, we'll get to. We're gonna get into a little bit of that. But think, you know, the thing is that that to be a good ghostwriter, you kind of have to get out of the way. And be very comfortable kind of playing in the background. Charlemagne, you know, you don't, nobody wants a ghostwriter who's trying to kind of be out in front. And you're only really dealing with one person. Mm, mm. So, you know, it's, it's kind of been a challenge for me to, you know, I do feel like a coach a lot of the time. Yeah. But, you know, it's like, you know, ghostwriting is like playing tennis. You know, it's just you. I'll give you an example, you yeah. know. Mind you. Yeah. It's Your story is, is definitely an amazing journey. I'll explain to you why. You're a fan of the Combat Jack show. Yeah. Reggie tweeted that we had to go on a hiatus because we didn't have a spot years ago. You told them, hey, you, you, would you DM them or something like that? Or, and and you DM'd them, right? Didn't you? No, nah, he, he actually wrote um, something on Twitter. He's like, hey, anybody in radio know how to... I need help. I need somebody in radio. Because at that time, if you remember... They wanted to turn Combat Jack show into a radio show. Yes, yes, yes. That was the big thing. Like, I need help from someone in radio, and I happened to be working in radio. I'm not like a radio guy, but I was experienced. So I hit him up, and I was like, I don't know if I know that much, but I'm a fan of the show. You know, I'd be happy to grab a cup of coffee and, like, give you my two cents, and that's kind of how it yeah. kicked off. Well, just, just from that, you think about it, the internet's an amazing place. Yeah. You know, but just from that, you know, now it's like you become the coach that is trying to find talent and more talent and more and and add and you've added some amazing talent. You yeah. know, um, you know, I definitely want to um, keep uh, tax stone in my prayers. But what I wanted to say was Did not mention tax. Okay, with 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 the loss of tax as a business, how does that affect like the network? Like meaning, like how do you move on from? Because he was a big podcast and he made such big noise. So fast. Yeah, I mean, I don't really look at it from a business standpoint. I just think there was so much energy around tax. Mm. You know, like he just has that sort of charisma and energy. And I think he brought people together. Yeah. You know, like tax is a guy. I don't want to talk about him in the past tense. Like tax is a guy who everybody loved him. Yeah. Loves, you know, from loudspeakers. Um, He just had that energy. And I think... If I have a failure as a coach, like, I'm a little introverted, you know, like, I'm not necessarily the guy who's going to break out the Doucet and tell stories to everybody and slap it. And then people sometimes are going to read that, like, uh, Chris doesn't fuck with me or, you know, he's not really paying attention. I'm just kind of, like I said, I'm, I'm coming to this from a writing world I, you know my job is to sit back and observe and take notes and watch it so for me i'm always trying to like remind myself that i have to be out there a little bit more than maybe i'm always comfortable with whereas you know i thought you know with tax you know like we you, you would come to an engine room and it was a party true you know it was a fucking party and i think uh i think that's that's you know what we miss more so than anything else just like his ability to kind of like have that that energy yeah i i I still got to give you credit for just having the foresight you know what i mean i mean you know um even having the foresight like i remember the first day you used board and read 
and you were like, kind of like, we're gonna see, we're gonna see uh, what happens with this, and and literally they're fucking rock stars today. Rock stars, um, yeah. You know, and 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 even having the foresight with tax, I, you know, and obviously I've told this before, but me and you got into a fucking heated argument because yeah. I was like, if you fuck with this kid and anything happens, you better stick by him, and 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 you did stick by him, you know, and 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 we definitely. I definitely send my prayers and and I keep in my prayers all the time. Um that he's just okay. And um but you know it was amazing that you had the foresight and just to see his talent. Just to, you know. Well, I mean, my thing is I don't know if snobs the right word, but like I don't like chasing stuff. Mm-hmm. To me if it's obvious and it always it's a no no brainer then I'm not interested in it. I like to try to get out in front of stuff. And that's what excites me, finding somebody that, um, you know, I think has talent or has a voice that's not being heard or can, like, shake the stuff up a little bit. Like, to me, that's always going to be way more exciting than, um, you know, like, kind of going with an established thing. Sure. Um, You know, and look, I don't think you have to be a rocket scientist to sit in a room with a Kid Fury and be like, holy shit, like, this guy's got it you know yeah. or tax yeah um and and to again to be like to get it straight like fury's the one who put me on the tax yeah yeah you know like yeah. he saw it in him yeah he, he saw the whole thing shouts to kid fury yeah, he saw everything but i mean he was like hey like this guy is one of the funniest dudes I've ever met in my life do you know me and you used to always uh i used to complain about you and reggie together saying that communication yeah. wasn't the best thing in the world right as being the coach, I, I'm going to continue yeah. to quote. That's a new name, actually, the coach. Coach C. Uh, co- yeah. You know, um, being the coach of the network of all these podcasts, how important is communication? I mean, it's the most important. It's, you know, how important is communication with your kids? How important is communication with your wife? How important is communication with your family? Like, 90% of the shit that trips people up is um, a lack of communication. And... uh you know, it's something I got to work on. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think, I think the one thing I do well is, I hope I can't say I know, but I hope that people know that I'm pretty non-judgmental. Like, I'll really open-minded. I'm open. Like, let's yeah. let's hear what it is. Let's um, tell me about it. Like, whether you're some kid on the street or you're a star, like I'm just open yeah. to anything. I think. Again, the thing I have to talk to myself about is I don't think I'm a good encourager. You know what I mean? Like, because I don't like to, I'm somebody, if I have a success and somebody congratulates me, I get kind of embarrassed. Yeah, me too. You know, like, I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. I start start talking about them. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I remember, um, I was thinking about it because I saw this guy this weekend, but uh, the first book I did with Russell Simmons, we had a big party at some fucking club somewhere, and we got word that, like, it had just hit, like, number one on the times bestseller list and it was on oprah that afternoon and it was like a party with models and blah 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 blah. and i was just kind of like sitting there by myself you know like on a chair just kind of like watching everything and that this guy like came over to me and was like shaking me by the shirt he's like what the fuck is the matter with you man he's like if i was you i'd be <laughs> fucking on top of this bar doing shots kicking at the girls like what this, wake up you know like slapping me yeah, in the yeah, face yeah. like he couldn't believe that i was like so kind of like nonchalant <laughs> about it and i was like I'm not like, yeah, it's cool, but I'm already thinking about the next thing. You know, and I think 
it's interesting. We talked about this on Brilliant Idiots today, which is, are all, you know, it was Schultz, me and Charlamagne talking about, are we all kind of fucked up in a way? Um, in that, you know, we all have various degrees of success, but like there's something, that thing that drives you to be successful sometimes also stops you from really savoring the success that you do get, you know? Mm. Cause I know for myself, like the second something hits, I'm already like, all right, what's sure. What's the next thing? What do I got to do next? You know, you, you bring up a great point because, um, people like Elliot Wilson and B dot. Yeah. And they get the Jay Z interview. Yeah. And that's, it was, a, it was amazing. Yeah. It was, it was, it was everything I could imagine. It was amazing. But I always said to myself in podcasting, like especially from my affiliation and all the years on Combat Jack Show, yeah, we 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 would have loved to get Jay Z, right? But I always said to myself, if you get Jay, what what do you what like what happens next week? Because people buy, oh, you should get Jay Z, and then okay, you reached his high, but what about next week? What do they do next week? Like what is what is you know what do they put out next week? Where people ain't like, yo, you went from Jay Z to fucking Chris Morrow. You know what I mean? I'm, <laughs> I'm playing with you. Right. But you understand what I'm saying? Uh, I got something for this. No, I mean, I think it's a good problem to have. Yeah. I, okay. Uh, I, know, I agree like, with that. I like. And I like, you know, like, I didn't watch it. I'll be honest. Like, you know, I was probably like, no, nah, I can't even say salty. I mean, I knew that that was coming. It was just a matter of when. Of course. But I think it's good for podcasting. I mean, you know, talk when you talk about. Nicki Minaj and uh, you know Meek dissing Button or whoever it was. I don't remember who it was, but yeah, whoever did, it could yeah. be a year ago. Like, oh, well, Jay Z just did a fucking podcast, yeah. so I guess this shit is legit. Now, look, obviously it's on title, and he has a relationship with those guys, and you know, kind of makes sense. But um, I mean, I think in the bigger picture, what you're really talking about is like a treadmill. Like we're all, all in this sort of treadmill. Yeah, like, and, like, like, and not to cut you off, but you said like, um, you know, even you think about. With the read or or, or or brilliant idiots, when they reach a certain plateau, like what's next? But you get again. Did you say about the treadmill? My bad. I, I just think when you start a podcast, or in my case, when you start a podcast network, you're just so excited to get going that you're not thinking four or five years in the future. And I think probably collectively, we all have these moments now where we're like, "Damn, we've really been doing this for a long time." Yeah, week in, week out. Now, granted, it's an hour or two out of your week. You know, it's not a TV show. It's not a movie. Like, it's not that labor but it's intensive. it's still a lot of work. It's a lot of work. And if you're competitive and you want to kind of keep up with people or beat them, it's a lot of pressure. But, I mean, I think I think that gets back to um, kind of like what my philosophy has always been, which is do a podcast because you want to do a podcast. Do a podcast because... Hey, I'm Pete. I just really want to talk to people that I find interesting every week sure. and have these conversations with them. And I think it might put some people onto some game or tell them about stories they don't know or help inspire them in their journey. If that's your motivation, you can keep going forever. There are going to be rough patches and then they're going to be easier passage. If your motivation, I'm not talking about you, but I'm saying in general, if your motivation is like, this is the hot new thing, I want to do it, I want to make X amount of money, you're going to burn out after 10, 15 weeks. Because it's just... I mean, even you look at Rap Radar, I mean, I, I feel like, um, you know, they hit a patch. Yeah. Now, I think they got their mojo back, obviously. Yeah. It's rough. But they're doing a lot of other things. I mean, do- hey, listen, at one point in time, they were doing four or five episodes a week. Well, I mean, yeah, I didn't want to yeah. say... 
I mean, it was like the same thing with Nori, you know, like I was like, and I even said this to Nori's guys at one point, you know, when I was talking to them, I was like, you got to pace yourself. Sure. You know, did you try to sign them? Yeah. And just didn't work out. I think, uh, you know, I can never get like a straight, truthfully kind of convo with those dudes. But like, I think Nori liked what we did and wants to do a version of of it mm-hmm. himself. Is kind of my like a network. I mean, I think I think he just wants to be in control of his own mm-hmm. his own ship. But you know, like I wish him well. Yeah. What about Rob Brader? You never tried to sign them right before they went to title or anything. Um. Nah. I mean, you know, like I've had some convos with Elliot in the past, but uh, I mean, look. I think there was a moment in the very early days that we could have gobbled up like a ton of stuff and for whatever reason we didn't, but it's also okay because, you know, like those are all big personalities who are like going to demand a lot of, and you know, like, look, like I know the people even around here still are like, you know, Chris, you spend too much time with the read or too much time with the idiots, you know, like... If you if you multiply that times Rap Radar or Nori, like, yeah, you know, that's what, a lot. What about uh, Desus and Mero you try to sign too, right? Sure. I mean, th- it's amazing to see that those guys are out. Hey, there. I mean, look, I I saw their talent. You yeah. know, like, all I can do is if I see something, I can't even, you know, like, they were already hot by the time I tried to talk to them. Who's who's that uh, company that signed uh, D-Ray, um, the activist, D-Ray McKesson? Oh, Crooked Media. Uh, and, and then uh, what, they do a lot they're, of things? They've really blown up within the last year, but like they're out of D.C. and they're like very, very focused on politics. Like yeah. They just have that one lane and they do it very well. I enjoy it. I, yeah. enjoy it. I like him. I like him a lot. Um, you know, But I like to see people do it. You know what? Let's take a quick break. Internet was sitting here with uh, my friend, the founder, uh, co-founder, and uh, a bunch of other things, Loudspeakers Network. Mr. Chris Morrow. We're talking about the future of podcasting, the business of podcasting, and all that. We'll be right back. Cheers. It's Ebro Darden. Ebro in the morning, hot 97. You listen to the Premium Pete Show. Sick fuck named it after himself, asshole. And we're back, sitting here with the one and only Chris Morrow. Listen, you know, the business of podcasting, right? Yeah. When you think about it, you knew radio. But when did you really learn? Did you learn a lot of stuff on the fly? Man, I learned everything on the fly. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, had a, I had a big meeting the other day with some people. Um, but I told them straight up, I was like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Like, um, My brother-in-law is someone who uh, started a bunch of like tech companies and sold them off pretty successfully. And he definitely knows what he's doing and he's someone that I've leaned on for advice. I remember you mentioned him years ago. Yeah, and you know, he's really smart and he knows a lot about the space. Not so much podcasting though, he's learned a lot about it in the past couple of years, but just about how to like start a company and the right way to do it and the right way to sell it and you know, he's he's very smart in that regard and I remember him telling me a couple of years ago he's like, "Well, you know, according to the book, according to conventional wisdom, you're doing everything completely wrong." Mm. but just keep doing it because it's working like don't try to like i don't know spreadsheets i don't know but you know like i'm totally out of my element i just kind of go off my gut instinct uh in most situations you know i'm kind of conservative just in terms of like taking i mean obviously i took big chances in terms of doing this but you know i'm not somebody obviously if you know loudspeakers like 
who's going to take all our money and throw a, a crazy party or try to make a big splash. Like, I'm just kind of more like, let's just do this. Let's make the shows week in, week out. And, sure. uh, you know, in retrospect, I don't know, maybe, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm now seeing I'm, the value. Like, even the Christmas party, you know, we had the party that you came to last year. And, you know, I was kind of being like a little Scrooge-like, you know, I was like, eh, we don't need, you know, why are we going to spend this money on a fucking, you know, party? It's a waste. And, you know, Matt Raz was like, because people who work together need to f- come together in the holidays and sure. have drinks and hang out and have fun. I was like, good point. You know, like. No, that was nice. It was, and it was a nice it was, vibe. It was cool. It was cool. Yeah. Like, it was a nice vibe. Um, and I was like, damn, we should be doing more stuff like that. You know, and, and I feel like, um, not just saying this for you in general, I think uh, it, what it does is it. It shows that the company cares. You right. know what I mean? It shows that, and and it really makes people, you know, get out there and 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 bullshit with each other and 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 you know, you know, even even stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like like when you say like you don't know what you're doing, but you know, obviously you know what you're doing. You're creating. You're following the rules, but you're also creating new right. rules. Right. You know, um, with the older podcasts, newer podcasts coming in. You know, it's obviously you have to treat. You know one this way one one another way what are what what are some of the struggles that you have had with say you know bringing on new podcasts or just maintaining older podcasts uh i mean i think the biggest struggle is a making sure everybody feels like they're getting enough attention sure um you know like fury kind of helped me see this a while ago i was talking to him about it he was like you know Chris, you realize that this is just us in the studio, and it is kind of what it is. But it's like you got to understand the real the world really thinks you're running a record label. Mm. Like people really think that like you've got like offices sure. and you know you can sign people and make or you know because I forget who it was, but he was saying like someone had reached out to him and be like, could you please introduce me to Chris Morrow? You know, like like because that'll put me on you know and his introduce you to chris martin you know like whatever but he's like you got to understand that's how people just see this i I see it too and i was like damn you're right and you know like one of one of the things that i'm like struggling with and it's kind of been even tougher the last year just because like physically i haven't been like feeling great it's like a lot of people just get at me with ideas or projects I, i just don't i can't even hit everybody back and like you know i and I can remember being on the other side of that fence. I can remember being the guy hitting up people when I was in my 20s or even in my 30s, you know, like trying to get on and like, oh, if this person just responds to my email, like that might be the door that's opening for me and I can get in. Like, I just don't hit people back. And like that, that alone is like very difficult for me because I don't ever want to be that person. But like, I just can't keep up with it. You know, it's funny that you um, mentioned that and, and, you know, because it's like, you know, you think about it, you know, in this day and age of podcasting, right, yeah. and how much it's evolved, yeah. and where we are where we are today, and, and, and the things that that you've been able to accomplish, you know, people have hit me. And right. like, yo, yo, tell Chris Morrow I want to get on the network, you know? My friend uh, from Florida, he has like a business podcast. I forgot the fuck, what was it called? Fourth Quarter Life. Okay. I mean, yeah. shout out to Kaz. He's like, you got to gotta get me on the network. I always tell people. And not saying that he's not popping. If you don't have a, a, a vehicle, meaning your podcast, that is not moving, fuck you want to be on loudspeakers for? What what could they do for you? They're just going to get frustrated with me. Yeah. But 
the flip side of that is like I always think about the story. I think it was like Big Sean coming up to Connie and rhyming for him outside of a radio station, and I'm like, point. how many times did people come up and rhyme for Kanye? He's probably just like, you know, like, but he took the time to listen, and and look what we have. Look what he got. Yeah. And how many? One of these guys could be Big Sean of podcasting. Yeah. And I'm like, eh, I can't listen to this dude's podcast. Uh, this, he only has 2,000 listeners. Uh, there could be a big talent out there. Here goes the big question. Yeah. We love podcasting. You love the podcasting. Sure. You get in the game, you get jaded. I love sneakers, but now I hate them sometimes. Yeah, you know? I know what you're saying. You know, you have a, you, you, has the business made you feel like that? Because, like, you know, and, and the reason why I bring that up for is because you're just sitting there saying, like, you know, you know, somebody comes to you and you're like, eh, you know, do you listen to him? It could be the next big podcast. Right. But you've heard so many, you've seen so many emails that sometimes like, eh. It's just the volume is difficult. You know, uh, I know editors in, in the publishing industry, like if you go to their bedrooms, they're like seven manuscripts like piled next to their bed and they just can't read that many books. Podcasting is the kind of the same thing. Like you just can't. There's 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 a limited amount of podcasts you can listen to every week. I can't listen to twenty five podcasts a week. Yeah. You know. Um, but I don't think I get jaded because at the end of the day, like I'm just interested in people's stories. Sure. You know, like I'm interested in sharing good stories. So I think it's more a case of like I I've got to push myself to um to find those stories. You know, the way you listen to a uh, ear hustle, you know, you're just like, wow, this shit was amazing. Um, you know, I think I've told people before, like, I like this show called Hardcore History. Mm. And I was coming back from upstate New York last week and I was listening to an episode about kind of what people were thinking after the nuclear bombs went off at the end of World War Two, and how that changed the country's. Uh, perception towards war and just like and it's like a six-hour podcast it was just like crazy in the weeds of like the first post-nuclear america and i the reason i had chosen you know i've been on my phone for like months and i was like i don't know if i really want to listen to this and then all the shit with trump and north korea i was like this is feeling a little bit more relevant and just like listening to that podcast literally has changed like my outlook like it's reminded me why so many things are important and what's not important, just like really confronting the realities of X amount of countries having nuclear weapons and what that means and how when we created our nuclear arsenal, they thought it was going to be 25 years until the Russians got one, mm. let alone anybody else. Like the way it's panned out was not the plan. Like we are in uncharted territory. Like. They had a quote in the podcast from uh, this British philosopher, I think Bertrand Russell, who was like, you can expect a man to maybe be able to walk a tightrope for two days, but can you expect a man to walk a tightrope for 200 years? And that's basically like the bet we've made with ourselves is we got to walk this tightrope for the rest of eternity if we're not going to blow our whole heads off because it was cool when the U.S. had these things and that was the deterrent to stop everybody else. Everybody else got them. Mm. Trump can bluff whoever he wants. Once one of these things goes off, it's lights out for everybody. So 
just kind of listen. But again, it was all because I listened to that podcast and I was like, oh, my God, like this is what the focus has to be. Nuclear weapons, all this other shit that we're worried about is irrelevant almost. Like this is the biggest issue of our era and we're not even talking about it anymore. Sure. Like, and I, I'm not trying to go off on like a no nukes rant here, but like, at least from my age, like even in the seventies and the eighties, there was still like a little bit of the, this is a serious thing. No nukes. I don't know if anybody remembers they had a show called the day after, which was a really big deal when I was in grade school. It showed you what America would look like after nuclear. And that scared the shit out of people. Like we had to have meetings. Should you let the fifth graders watch the day after is it going to frighten them for the rest of their lives? Like it was, a, it was a real thing that was present. I don't think people think about it anymore. And like, it's real. And then if you think about the fact that there are all these suitcase bombs that were, you know, part of the Russian arsenal. And then when the Ru Soviet Union dissolved, like nobody even knows, like that's, this is the most impressing, pressing kind of issue that we're facing right now. But again, it was cause I took the time to listen to like, a six hour podcast sure. about it and really get into it. So I say all that to say like, that's why I'm not jaded because I know that um, if you find the right topic, if you approach it the right way, if you give it the treatment it deserves, um, there's a lot of important podcasts out there that haven't been made. It's just going to take more work than, you know, maybe a couple of years ago. If someone wants to get on the network, you know they come in. You know those emails come in. What would you give them advice to want to pitch to you? Like, what would someone have to pitch to you that would, you know, make you want to look at what they're doing? Give me a concept. Mm. You know, like if if you hit me and say, "Hey, I got a show." Uh, you know, it's kind of like got a barbershop feel. We talk about politics. We talk about a little bit of sports. We talk a little bit about music. I'm probably not going to listen to it, just to be completely honest. Just because, and you, and you know, that's also the issue that I kind of face, which is, shit, somebody might have the funniest fucking show in the entire world out there, but it just feels like too many other shows right now. Mm -hmm. But if someone had called me and said, hey, uh, I got a show where we're going inside San Quentin, and uh, we're going to talk to inmates about X, Y, and Z, and we're going to have access to the ward, okay, I want to hear more about that. Um, New shit. That feels different to me. Yeah. Or maybe there's something in your family, an extraordinary story in your family that spans generations. And you slowly start weaving together the story. And, you know, again, it doesn't take much. You could record this on an iPhone. But, you know, this is the story of my uncle who did this or my mother and her sister who did, you know, whatever the case may be. That's going to feel different to me. Mm. That's That's going to catch my attention. You know, um, well, hopefully someone could send you something that can catch your attention. Yeah. The do's and don'ts of podcasting. Sound quality obviously has to be great. Sure. I mean, we live in a day and age now where podcasting is so big. If you don't have, like, people have bad sound quality, people just turn that shit off. Yeah. What would you say to somebody other, like, you know, that must must have of, of podcasts? Like, is it once a week, do you believe, is the blueprint? Could they do more? Well, I mean, I think whatever you, the key is, you have to be consistent. Mm -hmm. I think if you start off once a week, you have to stay once a week. I think if you say, hey, I'm going to do a uh, eight-part series, and this is... Season one? Season one, and then we're going to take a break for two weeks or three weeks, whatever the case may be, that works too. But I think what you really have to do is kind of lay it out for the audience and kind of make a pack with them. 
And if you're upfront with them and you let them know what they're getting into coming in, um, they'll probably fuck with you. But if, you know, we, we have shows or have had shows in the network that like just, you know, didn't do a show for X amount of weeks. And in my mind, I'm like, what the fuck are you doing? But I also understand, hey, you're not really getting paid for this. You got other shit. You got yeah. a life to live. Like, I but, can't. But, you you, know. but Chris, but you have to, and I tell people this all the time, you can't give up on something, you know, that you don't see something yet because you, ha- you never know when it comes. Like, I remember you used to tell me, like, when years ago, I was like, I think I wanted to even leave combat back then. And you're like, bro, I think you said you put in all this time. You should at least reap some of the benefits. Like, me, uh, you know, see. my father always gave me a good piece of advice. He always said, don't leave one job until you have another one. Mm. He's like, you're always way more attractive to an employer coming from a job than coming from no job. Mm. You got way more leverage coming from the Combat Jack show, even if you're unhappy on the Combat Jack show, even if you don't feel like you're being utilized, you still have that spot Mm. as opposed to what's Pete doing? I don't know. Mm. He's doing a little bit. You know, like, use that leverage. And I I thought that was good advice, and I've always try to live by that and that's always what i tell people which is you might be frustrated you might not feel like it's going the way you want it to go the world doesn't see that Mm. the world sees you in a coveted spot Mm. you know i'm on this podcast i'm talking to this guy every week i'm talking to that guy i'm in the mix like so what you have to do is plan it out so that one day they wake up and you're gone because you've leveraged it into the next thing Sure. I'm not saying you have to stick around forever and be unhappy, but, and I've seen this with other hosts on other shows, which is they get frustrated and they just kind of like pack it in without having the next plan. And I, hey, you gotta parlay it into something else, especially yeah. if you put in a year. Sure. Especially sure. if you put in two years. Sure. Don't up and quit then. That's really the time sure. to stick it out. And, you know, you don't know where the opportunity is going to come from and you don't know what the opportunity is going to look like. Before we started recording, we were talking about Ben Hameen from Fanbros. Yeah. Been doing this for years. Yep. Parlayed it into a writing gig on American Gods. It's crazy. I'm and so happy for him. Directly off the podcast. Probably wasn't his plan when he got into this. Didn't know it was going to happen, but he kept plugging. He kept at it. He believed in what he was doing. He kept making sure. connections. It's, it's the stepping board. It's, it's the stepping board. You just don't know. And, you know, there's, you know, it could have never happened. But he had he had that faith, and he kept plugging, and uh, it's an amazing opportunity. I'm glad he didn't give up, because I know sometimes, you know, he, he was challenged, and, and, and yeah, he's it was frustrated. tough and frustrated. Yeah, and and it's normal. I mean, I've yeah. been frustrated. You know, as we wind this episode down, uh, before I want to get to uh, book ri- ghost writing and, and, and book writing, but before we get to that, I think we mentioned how do you make money from podcasting. But I, I, I want to get your advice on how does someone try to make money from podcasting, uh, po- meaning what do you think they should reach out to, you know, advertisers, set up an email? Like, What's your opinion that people should try to make money? I mean, I would say, yeah, Uh Make it be known. I think a lot of people at advertising agencies and companies listen to podcasts. Um, I would let it be known. I think if there's a brand that you think makes sense for your show and you're hitting a niche market that would make sense for that brand, um, let them know about you. You know, talk to them in the show. Have your fan base tweet about it. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like make it a running gag in your show. Like, I don't think it takes a whole lot of tweets for someone running a Twitter account to notice that a particular podcast is talking about their product. Sure. I, I I've been recently uh, shouting out Air Hustle, and I don't think they know if I'm involved in podcasts, but recently they've been, uh, you know. Um, retweeting and right. like and seeing and and I just wanted to let them know like and this is obviously off the um, topic of getting money I just wanted to let them know like yo I support you I support you yeah and I, I'm 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 in this game but I support you I mean that's one way I mean I think if your numbers are strong enough and nobody knows what strong enough means anymore you know when we started twenty five thousand an episode was a big podcast that's like mm-hmm. just being big enough to maybe. Yeah. Get something out, you know, try to get down with the network like loudspeakers. Um, it's going to be, it won't happen as quickly as you probably want it to happen in terms of the ad revenue. But, um, you know, I won't quote them directly, but there's someone who I think is very smart in this space. And he was saying, everyone's rushing into podcasting right now. A lot of people are going to be bitterly disappointed over the next couple of years in terms of the numbers they see, the money they make, and they're all going to go away. And the people left standing are going to be the ones who win because then the money will show up eventually. And if you stick out the cold winter, you're going to be in a pretty good position, but you're really going to have to stick out a cold winter. So I would also say if you jump into it, jump into it for the long haul. If if you only really have a stomach for 25 episodes, 30 episodes, it's probably not going to work out. Yeah. But if you can ride it out for a couple of years, which is no small commitment. No, sure, it's not. You know? Bro, I've been doing fucking episodes, fuck, man, for a long time, man. You know? But you're in the mix. Yeah, I am. Uh, lastly, uh, with the podcast um, questions, what's next for the Loudspeakers Network? It's a good question. Um, There's a lot of stuff at play right now. Uh, I think it's going to be more stuff like Mogul. Mm. I'm really committed to that. Um, I want to see more stories like that told. Um, I like the in-depth quality to it. Um, It's just going to take a while to get them together. But uh, we're really committed to doing stuff like that. Mm. Um, Let's get to... um the ghostwriting, real quick. Yeah, how does some how does that even happen? Like, does somebody even like approach you or like, for instance, with Russell Simmons? How did that even start the relationship? Uh, it was a total accident. Mm. How? Um, I had been writing, uh, you know, like freelance journalism. I wrote a big piece for the Source about a guy named John Forte. If anybody remembers, of him. of course, yeah. We just had a baby. Shout out to John Forte. Shout out John Forte. Um, that made a little bit of noise. And off of that, I got a job uh, writing radio scripts for a company, which is how I got into radio. Mm-hmm. And at that time, Russell had, I don't know, New Yorkers might remember this. He had kind of like an inspirational moment on Power 105. Mm. I forget what they called it, but it was basically like a minute of him just kicking it about whatever. And they had hired somebody to do the writing, and a publicist I knew through the radio thing was like, that guy's no good, but this guy, no, Chris, could could do it. Shout out Carrie Davis. I haven't talked to her in ages and ages, but uh, she was a publicist that I worked with. 
And I went in there and we kind of hit it off a little bit. And for a year, I was writing these little scripts for him, you know, every morning or, you know, four or five times a week about whatever was on his mind. And we built a relationship and I kind of hung around the office a little bit. And then finally, I was like, fuck it, you know, we could turn this into a book. Like, we could make this a self-help book. Mm. So I, like, on my own, kind of put it together and, like, prepared it and kind of, like, laid it out in book form. And I went there. I was like, yo, we, let's do a book. And, of course, I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've been planning to do a book, you know, like that. For, <laughs> you know, and I was like, damn. But um, to his credit, and I give, you know, a lot of the stuff I've experienced over the last 10, 15 years, like, I give Russell a lot of credit for it because... I didn't really have much of a name at that time. He could have taken it because there were plenty of people who would have, you know, liked to have done it with him. But he kept me part of it. And uh, there was a lot of bullshit and back and forth and rah, rah, rah. But that's Russell. And uh, eventually we got it done. I had no idea what I was doing. I'd never written anything like that before. I really just kind of bullshitted my way through it. But I think Russell respects that sort of hustle. Like, because I think Russell's a guy who's bullshitted his way through sure. a lot of situations. So he likes people who kind of are willing to take that sort of shot. And uh, it was a success. It did well. You know, the party I was talking about, you know, number one or whatever it was, top sure. five. And it's like anything else. Once you have something, you know, I, I think what a lot of people don't understand is half the battle is just proving you can do something. Sure. No matter what industry you're in. Um Oh, you, this dude actually knows how to write a book? He can figure out, or even if he doesn't know how to write a book, he knows how to bullshit his way through it. Once you can prove you can do anything, then the opportunities are going to come. Some people only want to check. Well, I'll tell you In a funny business, story. Yeah. I'll tell you a story about that. I won't name her because I, I like her a lot. Maybe it doesn't reflect her in the best light. The negotiation started with this book, and I was already writing it. And um, for whatever reason... They weren't paying me. They weren't paying me. They're going to pay me. Uh, you know, this is, has to happen. That has to happen. And we're getting further along in the process. And the book agent I was working with at the time was like, Chris, this is not the way shit gets done. This isn't right. What they're doing to you isn't right. Walk away from this project. Just quit. I'll find you another project down the road. But just walk away from this. This is bullshit. I was like, what? What? So I can go home and sit on my couch and watch the NBA and, you know, smoke weed and eat Chinese food. You know, I was like, fuck that. Like, this is a shot. I know a shot when I see one. Like, this is a chance to write a book with Russell Simmons. I'm not walking away from anything. And I essentially wrote the whole book before I even, I didn't get a check until like after it was done. And yeah, technically that wasn't, it wasn't supposed to go down that way. Mm. I didn't have any leverage. True. I had, I had to take that shot. I had to prove that i can do it and i think a lot of people and i don't want to make it like oh the younger generation because you know people at all ages do it but i i think one of the most important things in life is understanding your leverage mm. and understanding what you can get away with and look if you're a genius and you're just brilliant at something leverage doesn't matter because you're just gonna be so creative that the world's gonna come to you i don't happen to be that type of genius i don't happen to be that creative like i gotta figure out the angles i gotta figure out the leverage and i knew damn well in that position yeah i've written a couple things i've written a book uh even before that i didn't have any leverage if i write a bestseller with russell simmons guess what sure i, I got leverage. some leverage so yeah. you know what i didn't 
I didn't say, I'm not doing this till I get a check. I waited for the check. And yeah, it sucked. It sucked to work on something for a long time for that check. But the checks came. Mm. And I got a lot more checks after that. And I think people make a mistake sometimes where they're like, I don't know if it's pride or they're worried about getting played. But you know what? It's all right to get played. Mm. It's all right Why to get Why do you say that? What do you mean? Because a lot of people shut themselves off before it even gets to that point. Mm. This guy's trying to play me. Play me. You know, I talk about this with Charlemagne, and he, he agrees with this too. The look is more important than the check. Mm. Always take the look. Never turn down a look for a check. It's a big mistake. You know, and look, I come from a situation where I didn't have a lot of money, but, you know, like I was never like starving, living hand to hand. It's easy. You know, maybe some people really need that check in a way I didn't need that check. But as a rule of thumb, take the fucking look. Because the more looks you get, if you handle them the right way, if you do what you're supposed to do, if you take advantage of them, then the checks will come. But to shut something down before it even gets to that point because there's not a check attached to it, yeah, you're going to kill yourself. Um, and yeah, people are going to take advantage of you. People are going to have you do something for $5 they should have paid you $20 to do or $1 that they should have paid you $20. But you're getting yourself out there. You're getting people familiar with them. You're showing what you can do. And it's like what I said. If you prove that you can do something, that's 75% of the battle. Now you've established that. So, you know, I don't want to I don't want to tell people to go out there and get exploited. I don't want to tell people to go out there and settle for less than they're worth because ultimately you do have to get what you're worth. But I, th- I think in your gut, people know whether it's a look that's right for them or not. And I think a lot of people get intimidated by the prospect of putting in the work and potentially failing at that look. Mm. And then it becomes easier to say, oh, you know, I, he wanted me to do this for that. And she wanted me to, uh, whatever, there's no check. I'm not. Take the look, man. Yeah. The look, if you love what you do, you got to love what you do. Sure. But if you love what you do, a look is a no-brainer to sure. me. Hey, listen, it's uh, strong words, you know, and, uh, you know, I think uh, many people have to understand that you're, you know, and I know it's a corny cliche, but your network becomes your net word, you know, and I know it's it's corny. Um, I I feel like it's overused, but I do believe it's true. And I believe when you said that girl uh, suggested you, you know what I mean? Look how that happened. That girl was like, hey, Russell, you should fuck with this guy, you know? Just because I put in the work on other stuff. Like she saw me as someone like... This guy's bright enough, but he shows up, mm. you know? I, you got to show up. I think Norman Mailer said showing up is 95% of the battle. You just got to be prepared to keep going to the places, putting in the work. Don't try to, you know, what's in it for me? Because if you're in, if you're in this world that we're in, the media world, the entertainment world, whatever you yeah. want to call it, there are a lot of people who want your look. Yeah. A lot of people. You know, we're talking about books, but uh, you brought up a great point. You know, I think people see uh, or hear a name like Loudspeaker Network, and I'm proud to see that it's become, you know, uh, a respected name. Yeah. People automatically attach success to it, maybe money. How long or are you still that you're able to just do this, that you're able to eat off of, you know, like live, like have a job, you know, for Chris Morrow, so to speak? I think the foreseeable future. Yeah. I mean, so you still you still it's still a process. I mean, I'm doing fine now. Okay. Um, you know, 
We didn't. But make it, it took how long did it take? A couple years. Yeah. I mean, you know, I poured a couple years into this without making any money. Sure. When I was still doing other jobs, nine to five, I was still writing books. Um, and I keep writing books. You know, I just did a book with Charlemagne. Uh, you know, that came out recently. Oh, you did uh, by privilege? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know that. Look at you, sneaky fuck you. I mean, Charlemagne, you know, he he really, like, controlled that process. Like, he's, you know, I didn't write it. You know, I really was more just, like, helping him through the process. But, like, you know, I was I was working on it. Um, and it's a lot. You know, like, it's a lot to run a network and write books. You know, I can remember just when, like, writing one book seemed like it was going to make my head explode. Mm. And now to, you know, juggle them with everything else. But, um I'm just afraid to turn down opportunity, man. Like I'm allergic to turning sure, down opportunity. Sure, like sure. I could have, you know, loudspeakers could be doing whatever. Like if Charlemagne says, "Okay, time to work on the next book." Sure, let's go. Let's go. Like I don't know how I'm going to do it, but like let's go. It's been amazing, not only as as just watching from a distance, but also being a friend of his. It's been amazing to see his his, his work fucking, ethic is. I mean, unmatched. insane, man. Unmatched. This guy is all over the fucking place. But he's doing things. Yeah. He's the other one. He's not going to... I mean, th- those are the people I get inspired by. Russell Simmons, same thing. Yeah. This guy's as hustling as hard today as he was in 82 at Def Jam. Yeah. Like, that that guy has not slowed down for one second. Charlemagne is hustling just as hard as he did on whatever station he was in South Carolina. You know, like, these are people who just like you're just some, people are just seeing it now, like meaning like you know, but people don't see what goes behind that and what it takes. That's why I was mentioning about the loudspeakers, yeah. because it's like you know, even with Combat Jack, I tell people all the time, it took us years before anyone seen money. I always use this line as something that keeps me um, just understanding life. I was telling someone I was down, we were down in festivals. Signing autographs and taking pictures with people. I wasn't making a dollar from Combat Jack Show. Right. We weren't. We weren't making a dollar. It just goes to show you that, like, how long, like, people, because people automatically think, oh, you know, they, they see something, they automatically think you're okay. You know? Yeah, no, no, for sure. And, you know, but through that, Reggie got mogul. Of course. Through Fan Bros, Ben Hameen got um, American Gods. Sure. Your whatever might be right around the corner. Yeah, I'm waiting. I'm here to hit it right out the park. Knock it out the park. You know, you just got to keep showing up, putting in the work. Get to Batman. Just Don't get frustrated. Um, you just got to believe that it's out there for you. But, you know, you have to put in the work. There's no other way around it. With the books, with writing books, and just being a creative and being an entrepreneur. Yeah. You have a hit like a writer's block or a creative All the time. Block? How do you get out of it? You work. Mm-hmm. I've never started a book and not look, op- open up my computer and said to myself, there's no fucking way I'm going to be able to do this. Like, that's the first thing I think when I start every book. Like, this is the one where they're going to figure out I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. This is the one where they're going to realize I was a fraud. <laughs> the editor is going to walk <laughs> in and fucking pull this computer out of my hand and throw it out. Like, I think that, ev- I thought that for the first book, Whatever book I start next, I'm going to think that too. Like, I've never been like, oh, yeah, I, I got this. Like, every single book feels impossible. Every book feels like I can't do this. 
it's too hard. I'm too busy. I don't, I'm not a good enough writer. I don't have a good enough understanding of whatever the case may be. I feel that every single book, but the fuck are you going to do? Like quit? I mean, I can remember I've been fired from one book, which thankfully to my credit was the Ivanka Trump book. Mm -hmm. But I can remember walking around during the height of that shit and just thinking if I could just get hit by a car in my legs, like break my legs, don't kill me, but just fucking break my legs so I could just get out of this thing. Like, but I can't quit. Mm. like and she should have you know like we hated each other like we could barely be in the same room with each other Mm. but i just kept showing up because i was like i can't quit this fucking gig like i just don't know how to how to do it and then she fired me because she's Mm. a trump Mm. but i mean you know piece of shit i you know like with her i almost i can't say i feel bad for her but you know like I can't say I feel bad for her because they. She's too smart not to know what's 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 going on. But uh, that would be a tough guy to have as a father. I will say that. Yeah, I couldn't imagine. Yeah. Um, man, you know, we 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 went over so much. Covered a lot stuff. of ground here. I yeah. mean, um, great, great stuff. And before we uh, close, um, I mean, I think I said it before, but uh, I'm definitely proud of you. Thank you. Likewise. Uh, and and I know you have said that to me, and I appreciate. Uh, you know, like it's funny because like a lot of people always ask me. Are you on loudspeaker? I'm like, look, they're family. Right. You know, I'm over here doing my thing, and they're family, and that's all that needs to be known. You know, but I do appreciate, and I am proud of just, just you know, where everything has gone. You know, I've come to events that you invited me with the pure, just proud. Absolutely. You know? And 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 you know, I'm excited to see what's next. I'm excited to also create what's yeah. next. Um, and I'm proud of you, man. I'm yeah. proud that you, you know. I think you've been open about it. Like the whole thing with leaving Combat Jack was a rough patch for you. Like that wasn't an easy thing to navigate. But um, I think you're in a better place mm-hmm. mentally. Mm-hmm. You know, you might be driving down the turnpike at one o'clock this morning. You know, like <laughs> <laughs> what the looking fuck at am the I gas, doing? being like, "What the fuck am I doing?" But like, just in talking to you, you're in a better place. Yeah. And you seem you, you seem more at peace. And you were never, you were a fucking mess when that shit was happening. Yeah, yeah. I guess because it was just you know uh, something that I religiously did, and you know, it's hard sometimes to make changes. You know what I mean? And while you know, with people that you're used to doing things with all the time, you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, sure. It's kind of like it was kind of like leaving high school or leaving college, yeah. and uh, it, it, it was hard. But you know, I got love for those guys, man. Well, look, you know which. There's things I didn't like, but, um, you know, life is too short to fucking hold any grudges, man. And do your own thing. Yeah. Um, lastly, this is the last thing. I was telling uh, my guy Isaiah today Yeah. that um, sometimes, and this goes into retrospective speaking of the creative block, sometimes I, 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 I have to find quiet because my, you have to understand for me and people who are listening, you know, I have an older daughter who I have to make sure she's okay. She's going to college next year. I have a two-year-old son. I have an ex-wife. I have a lady. I have a mother. I have, I have a lot of things going on. I got different bi- things that I do, and, and, and my mind is noisy. Yeah. And sometimes I try to escape to find peace. Yeah. Even, like, sometimes, like, he may go to daycare, and she goes to work, and I'll just run home just to just sit in the back for a second just to yeah find peace um 
even sometimes, I mean, I don't know, people, I don't know, I mean, I like to do it as men, you may like to take, I mean, I, I take showers, but sometimes, man, I'll jump in a bath and just sit in a hot bath. Epsom salt. And, and yeah, shit, yeah. why not? Yeah. And, and, and do you ever feel like your mind is noisy? I mean, you you just told the story of my life, especially over the last year. Like, just the other day, I was like, all I wanted to do was get in my car and just drive, and I didn't even know, like, just get me away from all this shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think when you are f- struggling physically, it makes it even noisier because then you have the noise of, all right, well, when am I going to get better? I don't know. Um, so yeah, my I I really struggle with that. Um, I don't always do it, but I think for everybody, you have to have some form of meditation in your life. And maybe it's an actual meditation practice. Maybe uh, it's what people call walking meditation or moving meditation where it's not, you know, sitting down and repeating a mantra. But, um, you know, gardening could be a form of meditation Mm -hmm. for you. For a lot of people, I think running is a form of meditation. Um, For me, for a long time, it was playing basketball. Fishing is peaceful to me. Fishing is peaceful. Um, and when I stopped being able to play basketball, I'm realizing now in retrospect, like that was a big loss for me, bigger than I realized Mm -hmm. because when I play ball, that's all I'm thinking about. I'm thinking about the game. You know, I might be mad at the guy I'm playing with this guy, but like, I'm not thinking about anything else. I'm literally locked into the game. And once I lost that, it took me a year or two to realize that was actually a, you know, a big, a big void. And I've, I've had to kind of try to figure out. How do you replace that? And I think the biggest struggle is, and I think this is going to become something we all face, is I let social media become that replacement. And that's that's the worst thing. Sure. And, you know, now when I need that quiet or I feel the noise, I, I might go on Twitter and Facebook and that's, it's like artificial sweeteners, man. It's like the exact opposite of quiet. It's just more noise but we're addicted to it and we gravitate towards it. And it's interesting, you know, you said like, it's amazing how you and Reggie connected on Twitter and like, that's what really sets stuff off and isn't social media amazing. It is. And that's true. But I'm over the last couple of months, I think I'm done. Like, I think I'm going to disconnect. Really? Yeah. I think it's a poisonous man. Like I'm, I'm really becoming convinced of that. But and what I, about for pushing stuff? Fuck that. Like, or, you know, like, just push. Just go on and push. and dis- But, like, I'm spending so much time. This is going to sound like a, I don't know, kind of an asshole thing to say. But, like, ingesting the opinions of people who I just, I don't respect their, I don't care. Mm-hmm. And I'm getting worked that, up yeah. and I'm reacting to it and I'm following these. And it's like, these are people, like, if they were in the room with me, I wouldn't even talk to them. I would mm-hmm. I would pick up on their energy and see they're not worth it. And I'm completely invested in their opinions and it's it's shaping how I see the world and I'm getting very, it just doesn't feel good to me anymore. Like I'm, I'm becoming very aware because I think another thing is like when you're sick, you have to kind of figure out like what's helping me and what's hurting me, sure. what's helping me get better and what's, and social media is not helping me like, it's not actively you know there's nothing wrong like i like going on facebook and i see my nieces or my nephews that's cute but everything else it's empty calories man it's yeah. it's it's drinking soda and it's eating sweets like 
You got to eat greens and drink water and eat whole foods. You got to read books. You you know, you have to get into stuff above the surface level. And social media, there's some people who are very good at it. I'm not good at it, so it makes it easier for me not to get too tied up into it because I've never figured out like how to have that presence that sure. people react to. But look, if, if, if you figured out social media and you can put something out there and 10,000 people retreat it and it's driving your business, okay. But if you're not, stop feeding it. Sure. Stop feeding that fucking beast because, you know, my wife sent me an article about teenage girls and, and iPhones. You know, my daughter's 10. And they were describing the the patterns of addiction in terms of how people treat their phones. And it's like, if you look at how you interact with your phone, you're addicted to your phone. No, most definitely. My phone is next to my fucking bed at night. Think about how many people have problems in their relationships. I mean, me, even I, I speak to so many friends, guys, that say like their girl tells them all the time, put the phone put down. Put the phone down. What do your kids see, man? My kids, all they see me is sticking my face in a phone. Yeah. And, you know, my daughter's saying, when do I get a phone? Well, you're not getting a phone. Well, you spend all, well, I'm, I'm working. <laughs> She's like, but you're always on Twitter. Well, I have to see, what do I have to see on Twitter? Somebody promoting some shit? Hey, listen, speaking of that, at Mr. Chris Morrow. Mr. Chris Morrow. Make sure you hit him up. It might, might be a pretty dead <laughs> account. I don't think I've posted anything in <laughs> I'm done. So, uh, you know. Keep them alive. Yeah. But I, I want to let you know, seriously, um, thanks for sitting with me Absolutely. today. Absolutely. Um, more importantly, I want to let you know that uh, you, you are in my prayers. Well, yeah, I hope you, you feel better. Thank you. And, um, you know, if there's anything you need or if you need my, me to tell my mother make some big ziti for you. Uh, you no know? pasta. I'm not allowed to have any gluten. All right, That's all part right, of my right. diet. I'm not trying to hurt you here. Yeah, thank you. Gluten-free, ma. Yep. But uh, listen, into this, Mr. Chris Morrow. Cheer. Cheer. Incidents, if you enjoyed that episode, I want you to reach out to me. Email me. Tweet me, okay? Email thepremiumpeatshow at gmail.com. At Twitter, at premiumpeatshow. On Instagram, at premiumpeatshow. At premiumpeatshow also. Let me know what you like. Let me know what you didn't like. And also, to all my small businesses or big businesses, no matter how small or big you are, you want to advertise with the Premium Pete Show, get at me. Show at gmail.com, and we'll figure something out, okay? Now, make sure you subscribe, rate, and tell a friend to tell a friend. And I'll see you next episode. Cheer.